It's great to be here. Um, and I, I kind of want to talk about uh, this subject in the context of everything that we learn here. So, I mean, everyone knows that birds of a feather... And actually, in a way, you are all birds of a feather. Did you know that? Because you've all kind of decided that your own spiritual uh, growth is sufficiently important that you would bother to come all the way out here to Newnham Courtney to be with us tonight to listen to a talk. So just in case any of you don't feel like you belong, you do. And, you know, I think uh, they do say birds of a feather flock together. And we all do like feeling like we belong. Hands up here, who has ever had the feeling that they belong? So, yeah, 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 right, okay. Yeah, yeah. everyone? Everyone not had the feeling? So, let's ask another question. Has everybody had the feeling that they don't belong? Yeah? Yeah, at some time or another. Yeah? Like you just feel out of place. Has has anyone not had that feeling? Never had the feeling? Don't know what it feels like not to belong? Yeah? So, I think there may be a pattern. And so, what I'd like to do to get us started is just... uh, Get a little bit of feedback from you about your experiences of of not not belonging. So what I'd like to ask you to do is um, in in your mind, just cast your mind back to one of the most... Yeah, dramatic and horrible experiences of not belonging in your life. You know, the time when you turned up at a party and it was full of hell's angels <laughs> and you're not a hell's angel. You know, like one of those? So just think about it. And <clears throat> just think about it for, for, for a little minute or two. And then I'm going to invite you to pick um, three of your closest friends that you can feel like you belong with, and probably three people that you're close to physically right now, uh, or four, not too much more than four. And just, I'm going to ask you to just uh, share very quickly, like this most, well, horrible of moments of, of not belonging. And then afterwards, I'm, I'm going to ask to just share. Um, some of the more dramatic ones. And just to see whether there is a pattern, because I, su- I suspect that there is. And there are basically two things that I would like to cover off tonight so that you know where we're going with this. I would like to uh, give you or, or, or share with you some ideas and some pointers Uh, as to how we can, in a way, kind of protect ourselves from never being in that situation of not feeling like I belong, because it's kind of uncomfortable. And when you don't feel like you belong, you can feel kind of lonely. It's not just a question of finding yourself on a desert island. You know, you can be on a metaphoric desert island amongst a lot of people. In fact, that's the main challenge, I think, out there in the big wide world. So I want to talk about how we can, can work inside our own selves for our own benefit. So does that sound good? Yeah. And then the second thing, which I'm actually, I have to tell you, kind of more interested in, but I don't know whether you will be. <clears throat> I would like to talk a little bit about what I consider to be the greatest gift that anyone can give somebody else. And that is 
to give them the feeling that they belong. Because I believe that when we have the feeling that I belong, it automatically orientates us somehow spiritually, internally, mentally, psychically, God knows howly, to be our very best. It somehow unlocks all sorts of baggage so it can drop away from us and it just sort of allows us to fly according to our capacities, our, our abilities, our energies, whatever we have. And of course, you know, there are all sorts of other things involved but this gift of somehow organizing and orchestrating an atmosphere where the one that I'm in front of can really feel like they belong. And I believe that if you can do this on a large scale, you can work total wonders in the world. And if it's appropriate, seeing how we'll see how tonight goes, I will share with you, because I actually have met someone who can do it. And it was the most extraordinary experience. And I'll, I'll tell you my story um, with her, if, if you like. So, does that sound like a reasonable evening? So, it's going to be really about how Raj Yoga, because you know, what we do here in the Global Retreat Center is like we teach Raja Yoga. Those of you who have been here before, you'll know that. Those of you who've never, who just hands up who's never been here before. What we do is we teach Raja Yoga here. <laughs> so, and, and, and so being kind of a strategic kind of guy and wanting to remain on strategy, it, it's kind of important for me because it's kind of my life. You know, how can Raja Yoga deliver this belonging feeling inside of myself and then for the world. So can we just start by me inviting you for just a few short minutes, just to kind of get the juices going, just to share your anecdotes of that time when you really didn't feel like you belonged. And it could have been you know, when you were born into your family and you'd look at your parents and your brothers and sisters and I don't belong here, you know. It could be that horrible, or it could be, you know, that party that you went to, or that school, the first day at school, etc., etc. I mean, there are, life is just absolutely <coughs> full of these things. So, um, are you going to be a good, good at self-organizing, or would you like me to push you around? Yeah. So, just um, you know, small groups, and I give you like, you know, ten minutes or five minutes or something, depending on how much fun I think you're having. Um, so, you know, if you're all staring at each other, look like you don't belong, then I'll know. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm talking about that feeling where, you know, there's this experience that you just aren't really quite fitting and you're kind of a bit depressed about it. Has anyone had that feeling? Whether it's just a bit, yeah? yeah? And it's kind of personal, so I don't want to, you know, you don't have to share. Um, but I think that's really important. And in fact, uh, you know, I, I know a little bit about you know um, situations where it can get really bad, uh, and and people can even be like suicidal. And it, this element of not belonging, feeling like you belong, is, is really possible to 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 have a very deleterious effect uh, on on us. And so it's kind of serious, and uh, and I think all of us at one time. Uh, in our lives or another, have kind of felt this this aloneness, this loneliness, this feeling of not um, of not belonging. And what I would like to do is um, share with you some of the things that I have learnt f- from Raja Yoga um, about kind of a way to go, so that we really don't have to feel this. And it's got, and if we if we do what I'm going to describe to you, it's got all sorts of other very positive ramifications uh, in term, in terms of keeping us basically happy uh, and content and powerful. 
you know, powerful in our in our own world. Um, so, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, Raj Yoga is really, really um, keen on is investigating the nature of of the self. And one of our first questions that I'm sure many of you that have been here before that we ask is, who am I? Who am I? Yeah? Have you been asked that question? If you've been here before, have you had that, that question? And um, if you've ever taken our, our basic course in, um, in Raj Yoga, uh, this is really one of the first lessons that we give. And we say, who am I? And, and we allow you to, I am a policeman, you know, and... And, of course, we tend to describe ourselves in terms of what it is that we do. And if we're, you know, a little bit more subtle than that, we describe ourselves in terms of our our character, perhaps. And uh, one of the things that uh, we we learn in, in Raj Yoga, and you may have heard this word before, is that the term we give to the self, the essence of the self, the one who is, is, is the word soul. You know that word? Soul? Yeah. Um, and, and it's just a word. And in fact, we teach, if you become a good Raj Yoga student, for those of you who you've never been here before, right? so, you know, one day... You could turn up here and I could say, who are you? And you say, I'm a soul. But the, <clears throat> yeah, and you're a... Pla- <laughs> yeah. Boom, that's good. You and I, we've got a future together. <laughs> do you know, uh, we do, we teach people to say, I, I'm a soul. And, and the, the, the problem is, that's about as good... And, and and being a policeman is good, but it's about as good as being a policeman. It's a word we describe something, you know. And so these funny people in the global retreat center have said, "Have said, I'm a soul. You're a soul. I'm a soul." And so I then say, "I'm a soul." And then we can ascribe all kinds of nice mumbo jumbo to the soul, and we can say, normally in an Indian accent. You are a peaceful soul. <laughs> and, then, and then you go, you know, okay, I, I'm a being of peace, right? And love and happiness and contentment, authenticity and power. These are the words, you know, all of you who have been here before. And and we bandy these words around, and 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 there are a couple of things that that go on when we do that. And the first is that quite often when I'm up here speaking, and I say, "You are a peaceful soul," I the people in front of me, politely, they kind of their body language shows me, well, no, I'm not, yeah, because. Because they may, you know, normally people that come here, come here because they're, you know, depressed, angry, freaked out, upset, you know, whatever. And, they, and someone said, oh, you should go and visit the Brahma Kumaris. <laughs> you, know, you need Raj Yoga, you know, like it's some kind of pill, right? So you go and you, you visit us and we play some squishy music and we say, you are a peaceful soul. And... And it almost becomes like uh, hypnosis, really. You know, I am a peaceful soul. I am a peaceful soul. And, you know, maybe it works. I don't know. Does it work for anyone like that? I mean, it can work for a while. And, I mean, I quite often hear people say, and, and I'm fairly skeptical about this, I hear people say, wow, that was a great meditation. I feel fantastic. You know? And... I tell you, I just want to say, it doesn't work for me. You know, 
I, I, I get very worried about people. So after this uh, session, if I hear any of you say, that was a great man. <laughs> and and, I, and I'd like to, to tell you why, because it's a little bit, it's a little bit subtle. You know, this, this, you know, the other term for Raja Yoga, we teach Raja Yoga, the other term for Raja Yoga is easy Raja Yoga. Yeah? And let me tell you, it is without a doubt the most difficult thing you can do. Without a doubt. And I'd like to just, first of all, show you the subtle problem. And then let's see whether we can jump over and deal with the solution. And it all comes from my pet uh, saying, and anyone who's been in any of my lectures for more than 10 minutes gets this. Uh, and that is that the, 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 really the fundamental formula for our lives is, is a problem. And every single person on the planet operates the same way. And you don't have to believe what I'm, I'm, I'm saying. You can actually do the test. I'm going to tell you the problem that you've got. And then you can test right now whether or not you're doing what I'm telling you you're doing. Okay? It's, and then if you're not, you can walk out. If you are... You've got to stay. <laughs> and the thing is, I'm so sure of it because every single person on the planet does this. And every single thing we know, love, and trust exists because of this formula. All of our economy, all of our business, well, we may not know, love, and trust our business, but our, our police force, our, our medical force, our medical profession, the accounting profession, legal profession, the movie-making profession, every story you've ever read, heard on the radio, seen on TV, all telling the same fundamental formula. You are right now operating on that formula. And it is because of that formula that you, if you ever did, feel like you didn't belong. It's because of that formula that you felt like you didn't belong. Would you like to know what it is? Okay. So at the very least, when you leave here, you can tell your friends and neighbors that you learnt the fundamental formula for life. And they didn't even charge you. It's pretty good. So here it is. It's very simple. It, very simple. So pay attention, because it's very quick, and you may miss it. You know how sometimes you kind of wander off in lectures, and like, then they say something, so, what was that? So I don't want you to miss it. It's simple as anything. Here, ready? Okay. What's going on? So how do I feel? That's it. That is the way we work. So let me demonstrate. What's going on? Anthony's giving an amazing lecture. How do I feel? Fantastic. I'm staying. Or on the other end of the spectrum, this guy's a blithering idiot. Let me get out of here. Something. You are basically responding somehow to what's going on around you. And, of course, what's going on around you is changing all the time. And, in fact, if you do a little analysis of your life, you've spent your whole life organizing and orchestrating what's going on around you such that the response to what's going on around you is peace of mind, happiness, love, contentment, authenticity, and self-empowerment. Heard those words before? Yeah. Well, essentially, we want them, we love them. And when we've got them, everything's okay. So, makes sense? Let's organize the world. And in fact, everything that's done in our government, everything that's done in all our professions, everything that's done everywhere, is all about organizing stuff so that our response is good. And if it goes wrong, then we fix it. And sometimes we're successful, and sometimes we're not. And when we're not, 
What happens? We feel depressed, angry. Have anyone ever been depressed, angry, frustrated, irritated? Yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> it means you're not mad. Because you know, if things are bad and you feel good, that's crazy, isn't it? You know, if you're operating by that first formula. And in fact, and this is this is really when I kind of lose all my credibility because now I announce what I used to do for a living. I used to do it. I don't anymore. I'm a reformed advertising executive. <laughs> And, and, and it's worse because uh, I worked for a company called McCann Erickson, which was a sort of bugaboo client uh, agency in, in Mad Men, which was, you know, like we were the bad guys. And our biggest client for many years was Coca-Cola. <laughs> and so we did the advertising for Coca-Cola. And, of course, we're the guys that invented the uh, slogan that everyone knows, I mean, we like to think it was the best slogan ever. Uh, things go better with Coke. And so you think about, well, it is now. It is now. But in the old days, because I'm kind of an old guy, um, it was things go better with Coke. And, and that really speaks to the sweet spot of what we're talking about here. Got a Coke? Things go better. Right? Get it? And so all of, all of commerce is about providing you with stuff to make you feel better. And in fact, all of you came to see us somehow, on some level, to make yourself feel better. Be calmer, be clearer, be I don't know what, you know? And this is why we do everything. It's why you married the person you married, got the house you've got, drive the car you drive, have the job you've got. You know, go to the back of the room when it's too uncomfortable in the front of the room. And, you know, sometimes you're too hot, so you open the window. Sometimes you're too cold, so you close the window. So all the time we're micromanaging this formula. All the time. And, you know, if you can't do it and we're vaguely polite, so you just sort of like, you know, if, (laughs) I just so doubt this, if I'm being boring... (laughs) And, you, you know, you're just a bit too polite to walk out the door... It's okay, you just switch off. You know, we remediate the situation all the time in tiny ways. And so we are totally locked in. The problem is when things go wrong, our response is a negative one. And then we don't know what to do. Because, you know, who here isn't kind of worried about the environment, about the, you know, ISIS, about you know, global warming, about the economy, you know, like there are so many things that are completely, well, the the one that's on all of our minds, and I hope you're going to come on Sunday to our world meditation hour at 6 o'clock Sunday evening, uh, the refugees. I mean, the refugees, are it's, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, we honestly don't know what to do. It's incredible. And so... When you're operating on the basis of what's going on, so how do I feel, and you've got a million Syrians and other crossing your border, and you kind of want to keep things together, but they're all upset and they've had a very hard time, and you kind of want to help them. So you kind of, even inside yourself, you're at sixes and sevens as to what to do. And so, so all of us are under a great deal of stress. And it is this formula that is at the root of it. And so tonight, I want to tell you the right formula. Is that okay? Would you like it? Okay. So we don't have a lot of time, so um, I'll do this quickly. But it actually... Well, in order to really get this, you have to have what I call algebra consciousness. And I know I'm being a bit mathematical here, and some people may not like maths. Anyone here not like maths? Ah, quite a lot of us. I don't like maths either. But, I mean, all you need to do, it's, it's really like, 
you know, like the very first steps in algebra, and you have to cast your mind back to when you were a young thing, and they first foisted this nasty thing called algebra on you. And it normally occurred when your teacher walks into, the, into your classroom, and she draws, in my day it was chalk on a blackboard, but it could be something else these days. But my particular teacher drew an A on the blackboard. And I remember well thinking, wow, A. Algebra. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then she drew a B. And that's, for me, when the wheels fell off. B. And, and then it got really bad when she drew an equal sign between the A and the B. Yeah? That's how it all started. But actually, that's all you have to know in terms of your algebra consciousness. Because do you remember? She said, if A equals B, then B equals A. It was all about moving letters around to try and work things out. So that's all you need to know for us to really think deeply about the fundamental formula for life, which will turn you from a slave... What's going on, so how do I feel? So how I feel is based on what's going on. So we're definitely the slave to what's going on into a king. And after all, it is Raja, means king, yoga that we teach here. And the fundamental formula uses the same material as the wrong formula. It's not what's going on, so how do I feel? It's, how do I feel? Now what's going on? And so we have to ask ourselves the question, how do I feel? And of course, if we've only ever been living by the first formula, the only answer we can give is... I don't know. Because up until now, my happiness has been based on my new Ferrari or my new job or my fancy wife or my skin graft or, what you know, nose job or whatever, you know. When the what's going on is good, I feel happy. And the happiness you feel from the ownership of your first Ferrari, if that's what you're into, is perfectly valid happiness. Everything that you get from outside that gives you peace, love, happiness, contentment, authenticity and self-empowerment is perfectly valid. It's not like that happiness is not good happiness. It's great. But the problem is it can also all go horribly wrong. And as long as you're doing the juggling act and everything's fine, it's great, as you all know. But when things go wrong, that's when you phone up the Brahma Kumaris and come and say, you know, whatever you do. Or you, or you take alcohol. Or you become a workaholic. Or you put all your dreams and hopes into your children. Or, or, or. So many different things that we do. Because in fact, that first formula... What's going on, so how do I feel, is the formula of the addict. Drugs are good, feel good. Drugs are bad, change the drugs. So what we're really doing is getting off drugs, getting off the drug of life. And to do that is very tricky because we really have to start on a very, very deep level operating this uh, second formula. Who am I? How do I feel? Now what's going on? Hmm? And the thing is, when we ask, how do I feel? And we say, I don't really know. What is my original nature? People like me, we say in our Indian accent, you are a being of peace, love and happiness. And, you know, if I say it nicely enough, you go, oh, yeah, I am. I feel good. But actually, all I'm doing is, you know, mind melding with you. You know, you get yourself a nice room, fancy lighting, squishy music, 
say nice, few nice things. We can get you to feel great. And you can honestly think that you're doing Raj Yoga when you, you know, it's called Raj Yoga. People are saying nice things to you. You feel good, but it's the old formula. That's the problem. And so as soon as you walk out the door and you find someone's dented your car, you know, and you lose, you know, and that, you know, that's a problem. And it happens in all things. All these, uh, you know, self-help techniques processes that we all spend a lot of money on. I mean, that's all about that. So this is kind of subtle, kind of kind of tricky. And so um, what, what I'd like to do is, um, is give us an opportunity to sort of start investigating how I feel. Um, kind of like Reacquainting myself with myself, you know, like get, getting to know. Okay, so Anthony said something that sounds sensible. Fine. So now let me uh, let me see whether this works. Let me do something inside myself. Because that's the problem with this Raj Yoga thing, you know. We do a lot of meditating. To to do this, meditating is like investigating the self inside, and the, and the problem with meditation is that it's all done inside. So I can meditate in front of you very badly, and it looks exactly the same as when I'm meditating very well, and that is a huge problem because I can teach you everything I know about meditation, and I just can't check it out. I, you know, I just don't know. <laughs> So it's really personal. And I, I mean, I don't know. Um, I'm sufficiently ancient that when I was a kid, they used to sort of give us mercury to play with. I don't think they do that these days. But does it, anyone here ever played with mercury in school? Yeah, you know, we probably will be dying young. But anyway. <laughs> but do you remember they ask you to pick it up and you can't pick it up, right? You know, the only way you can do it is by kind of cupping it in your hand and then you can sort of say, oh, that's mercury, you know. And it's kind of like that with with this meditation. You can't, you know, you can't just do it. You, know, you kind of got to get in the groove. You got to kind of allow allow yourself to experience yourself. In fact, I mean, my friend and some of you may have met him, Mike George. Has anyone ever met Mike George? He sells fancy books down in the bookshop. He's a rich man. I don't think so. But uh, he and I invented the word inspirience because, of course, you know, you can't, you know, experience is what's going on, so how do I feel? But inspirience is how do I feel? Let me inspirience myself. Let me, let me experience my true self. Because it's only after I've experienced myself that I can actually operate that second formula. Otherwise, it's all. More mumbo jumbo, more blah blah blah, and there are plenty of people who talk to. Oh, maybe me, I'm one of them. But it's like blah 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 blah. And I, I, but the thing is, really, the only way is to go quiet, go centered, and sit in the middle and check yourself out, because that's the place we have to begin in order to really be in touch with the self and have the capacity to feel like I belong first to myself and then it doesn't matter what's going on around me I can be at as many horrible parties or new schools or nasty management meetings or whatever and really I'm if I'm playing that first formula that second formula sorry the, the second one then then I really am protected and what's interesting is that it sets us up to be able to have the capacity to do things that uh, can be quite positive in in the world and quite magical. But before I start waxing poetic about all the possibilities of doing this, I thought maybe uh, we could actually um, have a go at actually reacquainting the self with the self. Would, would you like that? Because this is like real Raj Yoga, not 
just talking about it. Yeah, is everyone happy to do that? Does anyone not want to do it? The great thing is that if you don't want to do it, it doesn't matter. I won't know. <laughs> now, many of you who've been here before, you know that when we do this funny thing, we call it meditation. It's, I don't like the word meditation at all. So anyway, we call it that. But we do this thing with our eyes open, you know, which is, we all know that's totally irritating. And it's much easier to concentrate with our eyes closed. But there is a very, very good reason why, why we, we do this with our eyes open. And uh, the reason is this, and this is, really speaks to why I don't like calling this, this uh, activity meditation. Essentially what we're doing, or what we're going to do, is come into what we call, you know, it's, just, it's just a phrase, but we call it soul consciousness. And so we're actively going to direct our minds and ourselves to get into this soul consciousness thing. And this, I hope, when we do it, you're all going to be going, wow, man, that's great, but that's old old formula, remember? But you hopefully you'll have a nice time. I'm not going to play you any squishy music and I'm, you know, not going to turn the lights down. It'll just be normal. But what I hope we'll all do is get into this consciousness. And by getting into this consciousness, what you're doing already is practicing it. You know, it's like practicing anything, like practicing the violin. You know? So you... You're practicing getting into this consciousness. You're practicing the, you know, uh, recognizing the feeling, recognizing, you know, what I have to do, you know. And then what we hope is that by practicing this consciousness enough, that you will be able to do it automatically. When you get up from your chair, walk out the door, down the stairs, and into the street, and drive your car away. And as you can imagine, if you can only do it with your eyes closed, it's really not going to go very well for you as you turn onto the 4074 into oncoming traffic. So it is a highly practical thing. We're really just practicing getting in to a state of mind, into a consciousness, an awareness of the self. Now, I tell you in my Indian accent, you are a being of peace and love and happiness. And some of you, on the basis of faith, may say, wow, that's a really great idea. I love that idea. I am a being of peace and love and happiness. And you might be tempted to self-hypnotize yourself. You get into enough nice quiet rooms and you keep repeating, I am a being of peace, I am a being of peace, and... You're in your management meeting and you're saying, I am a being of peace, I am a being of peace. Because, you know, we're trained to look good, you know. We're trained to keep a smile, you know. Suck it up. Keep going, you know. Stiff up a lip. And, yeah, it's no wonder that many have heart disease and cancer and all the rest of it. All that suppression going on. And of course, if you feel angry, because of course, up until this moment, you've all been operating the first formula, what's going on, so how do I feel? And if what's going on has been particularly unpleasant and causative of lots of anger and grief, and then you've been suppressing it, you can't just go out and scream at everybody and beat them up. I mean, you can, but you can get into trouble. And, uh, you know, you can be deemed impolite. So we kind of have to kind of quietly turn the, turn the ship around. So this is what we're doing here. We're starting the very, very base of ourselves. So in order to do this, because you are such adept uh, first formularists, I'm going to have to trick you into the second formula consciousness. Do you mind? Do you mind if I trick you? Yeah? Sure? 
This is what that, that, these, these conjurers do. Do you mind if I trick you? <laughs> I'm thinking of that guy, what was his name? Dynamo. He always asks, do you mind if I you know, take your cell phone and put it in a beer bottle? He did that once. Do you mind? <laughs> and then once he's done it, he's, what am I going to do? <laughs> anyway, I, I would like to trick you, and I'd like to trick you with your eyes open. So we're, what we're going to do is we're going to do something that most people would call a meditation. I would call moving into a state of consciousness. And to do this, we have to concentrate a little bit. We have to use our mind. Um, we um, have to be a little bit disciplined. And if you don't mind, and I am going to be checking you out, keep your eyes open. And of course, one of the things that you may note that when you do this kind of activity, you just absolutely can't help yourself. you just got to go to sleep. Has anyone ever slept during one of these meditations? You know who you are. And the thing is, what happens is that the brain waves change. Um, I don't know whether you know this, but the more awake you are, the more uh, agitated you are, the shorter the wavelengths. And they, and they, when you're particularly tense and whatnot, you, you, you're really heavily into beta waves, and they go tinier and tinier. And it, actually, your intelligence goes down the more excited you become. So it's always better to remain calm. But the trouble is when you go the other way, the, the wavelengths, the waves coming off your brain get longer and longer, and they go into alpha. And that's what happens when I take you into this meditation, when I trick you. You're going to go into alpha mode, uh, whether you like it or not. And um, that's like being in front of the TV, really. And you know what you do in front of the TV, don't you? You just got full asleep. And it's the... It's what we do actually just before we go to sleep. Our brains start emitting alpha waves and the body says, oh, alpha waves, great, time to go to sleep. So that's why we kind of encourage you to keep your eyes open and your back straight, you know, upright, alert. And uh, now we're really only going to be, we're only going to be investigating our inner consciousness now. Only that. So... um, Ready to roll? Okay. It's very ordinary, very normal, and we're not doing anything weird at all when we do this. We're going to use our power to do a bit of thinking. So I'm going to ask you to think along a certain line. Uh, I am absolutely not going to ask you to sort of self-hypnotize. You know, I'm not going to ask you to repeat a mantra or to say to yourself, I am a being of peace. I am so calm. Are you calm? Because it really doesn't matter if you're calm or not. I have a dream. My dream is that one day they'll let me do this exercise to the sound of heavy metal and gunfire. And the reason is because that's when we need it. Yeah? If I play you squishy music and make my sound, my voice go all soft, really I'm just satisfying your first formula addictions. So, anyway, we have to give you the best chance. So eyes all open, I'm just checking you out here, that's good. Comfortable. So now I'm pretty sure all of you, at one time or another in your lives, have been to the cinema. I'm sure, you know, when the movies are good, the cinema is good, then it's very good. And uh, there's nothing like a good movie to go to. And I'm sure that sometime or another in your life you've visited uh, a cinema that you particularly like. I remember when I was a kid and the James Bond movies used to come out once a year. Uh, We were allowed up to London Uh, to go to Leicester Square and sit in one of those magnificent movie theatres. You yourselves may have your own uh, personal best movie theatre that you you can remember. What I'd like you to do now, through the power of visualisation, and I think everyone can at least to some extent or another visualise things, right? I'd like you to, to just, in your mind's eye, with your eyes open, 
eyes open. I'd like you to just bring into your mind, bring into your. I know we're in the global retreat center presentation room, and uh, you know I know what you can see, what you can see. But in your mind's eye, you know, like you're imagining. Just imagine. Just visualize that you are indeed in your own personal, private, magnificent favorite cinema and there you are it's huge and it's kind of dark and you're all alone which means that you can choose the best seat in the house and I'll tell you where it is it's about 20 rows back right in the middle it's that seat that allows you to see the screen in front of you without having to raise your eyes or lower them it's just completely natural in front of you and there you are sitting in your personal private magnificent cinema Try and keep your eyes open now. I know it's tricky. It would be easier to do this if you were in the, if you had, had your eyes closed. But try just to keep your eyes open and just hold your thoughts. You're in that cinema and you're sitting in that seat. And it's one of those incredibly comfortable cinema seats that kind of lean slightly back, you know. It's kind of nice now. And they've got that kind of velour kind of, you know, whatever it is. And there you are, you're right there, and you are totally comfortable. Nothing much on the screen, it's grey, and it's filling the full field of your vision. Now I'd like you to do something a little tricky now. Remember, you're in your cinema, you're on that seat, and it's incredibly comfortable. And you're just looking at the screen, waiting for the movie to start. And now, here's the tricky bit. Keeping your eyes open, I'd like you to imagine that that cinema is not where you thought it was. But the location of that cinema in which you are sitting so comfortably is inside your head. That vast room in which you're sitting is taking up the entire volume your skull but you are still sitting so comfortably in your incredibly comfortable seat but now the tiny you is sitting in your cinema inside your head looking at the screen which coincidentally is precisely where your eyeballs are and the scene on the screen of your cinema is the scene of the global retreat center presentation room and there's this guy called Anthony right in the middle of the screen waving his hand around with a microphone in the other but you the tiny you are sitting so comfortably observing the scene on the screen in front. You might want to take a measurement and just see how far you are away from that screen. I think you'll find it's about an inch and a half. You're sitting so comfortably 
and you're looking carefully. And I have to tell you, a pretty boring movie. But there it is, on the screen of your mind. Now I'd like you to look very, very carefully at that screen and the scene on the screen. The main scene is the room, which you know as the Global Retreat Center. And you can see the lights and the heads and whatnot. But I'd like you to look very carefully right at the bottom of the screen. And I'd like you to notice that right at the bottom of the screen is something that looks something like the backs of your hands and the tops of your legs. And I'd like you to note that you are sitting on your seat and the backs of your hands and the tops of your legs are on the screen. And as you're sitting there, so comfortably, in your seat, observing the scene in front of you, I want you to ask yourself a single, simple question. How do I feel? Is it true that I am a being of peace? What is my original nature, my starting point, the beginning of myself, sitting here so comfortably in my magnificent cinema, observing the scene on the screen in front of me, aware of myself separate from the scene, so comfortable and so stable on my seat. As I sit here, experiencing my stability, do I recognize that in this stable state I can identify myself the tiny me the one looking at the screen separate from the scene in front of me I am naturally and normally If I work hard and I keep reminding myself to remain behind my eyes, understanding myself as separate from the screen and the scene on the screen, sitting so comfortably on my cinema seat, which is like a throne. It really doesn't matter what's on the screen. I'm aware of myself on my throne. A throne is where a king sits. And while the king sits on the throne, they're the king, the sovereign. 
But as soon as I get off my throne and climb into the screen, then I lose it. And I go back to the first formula. But while I remain seated on my seat, aware of myself, as I experience myself, able to inspect myself, judge myself in my origin. This is what we call being the detached observer. This is the very first step and I might add the most important step in Raja Yoga. Mastering this step then I can operate the second formula with honesty. My thoughts, my words, and my consequent actions will all come from that place of peace and love contentment, authenticity. It's the real me. And you can be no more powerful than when you are who you really are. yoga in this position mental position we say I am a peaceful soul and famously we all say Om Shanti this reminds us who we are. But so easily, without even realizing it, we slide out of our seat and into the screen and start operating the second formula, the first formula. But now we know, now we know what it feels like. We know the subtlety and we know the difficulty, but we know the possibility through the mind, through the direction of the mind and the discipline to practice this so that it becomes more and more natural until I do it by mistake, because that's really what we want to do. And then I become qualified to walk out into the world and really operate that second formula and claim my royalty. And the thing is, when you operate from that center of yourself that I hope you've been enjoying, it is the law that anything coming from you has to be totally imbued with the feeling of peace and love, happiness, contentment, purity and power. This, by virtue of your life, is your donation, your gift to the world. Doing this 
and you will naturally donate the gift of belonging to whoever is in front of you. This is not a joke. This is a subtle, powerful, useful, worthwhile way. Nobody need know you're doing it because it's all going on in here. Nothing in your life need look like it's changing except everything will change. Your resilience, your capacity, your effectiveness, your stability, your solidity will grow and grow and grow. Om Shanti. I hope you've enjoyed. Did you enjoy being tricked? It's not so easy doing it. And some of you may have gone, what's he talking about? But some of you may have had some weird experiences like, whoa, 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 what's going on? You know, And that's great because that's a kind of encouragement. But what we've done is get you to become what we call a detached observer. And we've given you some ideas to really just begin to find a way to reacquaint the self with the self. It's very subtle and very worthwhile. It's five to nine, chucking out time. The scene in your on your screen will now be changing. Um, does anyone have any questions or comments that they they'd like to give? Are you you are you satisfied? Happy? Would you like to know? Well, we've got five minutes. Do you know? Um, I I often uh, kind of when I'm trying to irritate my brothers and sisters here. I often say that I've only ever met one Raj Yogi in my entire life. And unfortunately for you, um, she's dead. <laughs> so you can't meet her. But I, I was lucky, to know, lucky enough to know her for about 20 years. And her name, if you, if you want to see a picture of her, uh, as you walk out the door, if you go out that door, the fireplace in the beautiful room in the middle there, do you know that? In the blue room. The, there, there's Daddy Janky on the left, who some of you may know. And on the right is this entity, otherwise known as, that to me is Daddy Kumarka. Her official name was Daddy Prakashmani, but that's like way too much for me to remember. So Daddy Kumarka for me. And uh, she, up until uh, 2007, I think, was the head of the organization, and uh, she did come here occasionally. But she is this the only Raj, true Raj Yogi that I've ever met. And the reason why I, I say that is not because she said Om Shanti in a particularly beautiful way, or dressed in a very nice white pristine sari, or say fantastic things. Um, I, she was all right and speaking and all the rest of it but I'll tell you the effect that she had on me and she had on every single person that ever met her and I found this very strange that is that whoever met her in whatever circumstances always without any exception felt fantastic didn't matter who you were whether you were a criminal, whether you were depressed, whether you were happy, whether it didn't matter. You came in front of her and you just felt great. There's someone at the back here, Al, who I know has met her. You can, when you met her, you felt great, yeah. And the thing is, you just didn't know why. Because she never said anything. She never gave you any great advice. I remember once she came up to me in the middle of the courtyard in Madhuban 
in the place we go. And, you know, so out of the blue, she said, she, she spoke pretty good English, actually, and she's, you know, I don't speak Hindi. So. She said, Anthony, whatever happens, it's okay. And that was it. <laughs> but the effect it had on me was incredible. Now, how can this be? What's going on? Right? Because she wasn't a great public speaker. She, you know, she was just a little old lady, you know? Nice, but. You know. And she wasn't particularly educated, or, you know, reasonable, but not. But she had, and it wasn't, I mean, if it was just me, I'd say, well, you know, maybe I got some karma there and some kind of weird, you know, something, something going on. But this was everybody. And she would meet the local people, you know, that come jumping out of the woodwork and from the mountains and the people who are very poor, very rich. She met all the, you know, top people that you can, you know, know, the, the presidents and all sorts of things, you know. And they all had exactly the same response. They were just like, and there was no reason. Now, I studied this for 20 years. And I remember, now at the end of her life, this is very, very interesting. At the end of the life, her life, she had many, uh, is anyone a doctor here? Okay, I can speak, speak doctor speak and nobody will know whether I'm telling the truth or not. She had things called TIAs, you know, transient ischemic attacks. She had, you know, uh, dementia caused by... So, actually, she lost her mind. She lost her intellect. She lost her personality. So you normally identify someone in terms of their mind, their intellect, and their personality. And for those of you who have learnt the, the first lesson in Rajyo, you'll know mind, intellect, and personality. That's the organs of the soul, right? You know? She lost her mind. She lost her intellect. She lost her, her personality. And what amazed me, I was very glad that happened to her, actually. Not because I wanted to have her go down the tubes that way, but I'll tell you why I was glad, is because... I went to see her many times when she was in that state. So there wasn't much to visit. But I tell you, that feeling I was talking about, it was still there. And it was then that I realized that the soul is not the mind, the intellect, and that we call it the sanskaras. It's not. That's It's the light. It's what I hope you began to experience sitting on your cinema seat. And of course, she had spent a whole lifetime sitting on her, I'm sure she didn't call it a cinema seat, sitting on her cinema seat, building that power until it just shone. And so she didn't have to do anything to get the most amazing effect. I mean, if I want you to be good and do good, I have to sit up here and give you a three-hour lecture and repeat all sorts of fantastic things. All she used to have to do is say, be good. And everyone would run out and be good. So that's what I call efficiency. And then, of course, she didn't even have to do that. She just glimpsed at you, you know. And this is like one extraordinary human being. And this is obviously a person who's been practicing what we're talking about all her life. And her life was a gift to the world. And she didn't have to worry about what she was going to give and how she was going to give it and all the rest of it. And even when she lost her marbles, she was still giving a gift to the world. And that's what I call a true yogi, a true powerful soul. So with those sweet thoughts about my dear friend Daddy Kumarkar, I shall wish you all a very good night and before